a, a list of the top 10 ordinary New Year's resolutions that people make from year to year. And, uh, you know, they were just what you would expect. It was exercise more, lose weight, get organized, learn a new skill, save more money, spend less money, quit smoking, yawn, yawn, yawn. You know, I thought, okay, we've heard all these things before. And then I, then I actually came across some people who were having fun with their New Year's resolutions, and I kind of like this a little bit better. So one person wrote this. Uh, she said, in 2022, I resolved to stop drinking orange juice after brushing my teeth. <laughs> I thought, okay, that's pretty good. Somebody else said, I resolved to pay off my credit cards with my other credit cards. <laughs> that's not much. <laughs> that's not much, is it? Now, here's my favorite. I resolved to stop buttering my glazed donuts. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, do you, do you all make New Year's resolutions? Are you, are you resolution people? No, I'm not, I'm not either. I'm not either. You know, I think whether you are a, a person who makes New Year's resolutions or whether you aren't, I think there's something about the new year that invites us all to kind of look back and look ahead and, and to somehow think, just internally, what, what could be better this year? Well, what could I do better to build up my relationships, to build up my finances? What could I do you know, to be more the person that I want to be. In fact, as a follower of Jesus, more the person God wants me to be. You know, we don't, we don't know whether Jesus ever celebrated any kind of New Year's Day or not. We don't know whether the ancient Jewish people did that. Or we certainly don't think he had any resolutions. But look, from a very early age, it's fairly clear Jesus had a sense that God had something more for his life. That God was actually looking for something bigger, better in Jesus' life. You know how we know? When Jesus was 12 years old, you remember that story? Uh, they've gone, he was gone with Mary and Joseph. They're at the festival in Jerusalem. And as they're going home, mother and father get lost from the child. They don't know where the kid is. Frantically, they come rushing back to Jerusalem. You know where they find him? In the temple. And he's there talking to the Bible teachers and the scholars of his day. And he says to his parents, he says, I had to be about my father's business. Did you not know I would be in my father's house? I mean, he had awareness, even at, at age 12, that God had something a little bit more for his life than what he was experiencing in the present, in the now. Of course, you know, it was 12 years, 13, 15 years before Jesus actually takes up that bigger purpose that God has for his life. And all that time, he's a carpenter's son. You know, he's working as a carpenter. But when John begins his ministry, then Jesus says, okay, it's time. It's time for me to live into God's bigger purpose for my life. So here's my question to you this morning. Do you have a sense somewhere inside that God is ready for you to take that step toward a bigger purpose for your life. That God has something more for your life. Listen, you and I can live into something more. We can live into that something more in the year 2022. And, and in this story, God shows us how. In the example of Jesus, God shows us how 
God will actually outfit us. God will equip us to live into a greater purpose for our lives so that we can live more lovingly. We can live more with graciousness. We can live more as Jesus lived. We can live more to follow Christ in our lives. And in this, in this story, there are basically just three, three little things I think that uh, the Scripture teaches. First of all, it says we can live into the more that God has for us as we are people open to the power of prayer. As we are people are open. Notice, notice that it says when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, the heavens were opened. It's, it's while he was involved in prayer that he begins to get this bigger purpose, this sense of this bigger purpose for his life. Now, I don't know how you, how you think about prayer. I mean, I have times where I am like prayer man. I am, I am all about it. I, I know you know, I know that prayer makes a huge difference in my life, but there are other times in my life where I just have to be honest. I, I have literally said to myself, am I just talking to myself? Or, you know, am I just wishful thinking? I've, I've had those times where I was wondering, is, is anybody really there? You know, I, I think about that story about the little boy who the night before his seventh or eighth birthday uh, was praying his bedtime prayers. And this little boy wanted nothing more for his birthday than to get a new bicycle. So he's praying his bedtime prayers with his mom, and he prays in a very, very loud voice. He says, Dear God, I pray that I might get a new bicycle tomorrow on my birthday. And his mother said, Honey, you do not have to shout at God. God can hear you. And the little boy says, Well, yeah, but Grandma can't. <laughs> So we know what he was thinking about prayer, right? It's really like that. And I said, why, why do we have those times? And then I think part of what happens with us in prayer, too, is we begin to think about prayer as simply an event where we talk to God about the things we need. And man, if you let me go, I can talk to God about a lot of stuff that I need. I can, I can waste a lot of time talking about what I need, what other people need. It's kind of like going to a doctor. You go to the doctor and you've got your list of complaints. You know, sometimes we even write them out. Okay, doc. Doc, doc, I've got this athlete's foot driving me crazy, doc. You know, it's driving me. I've got this knee. The knee's going out, doc. What am I going to do about that? And, doc, I've got hemorrhoids. What am I going to do about that? And, doc, you know, I, I'm losing my hair up here. And, doc, I've got all these crimp, you know, wrinkles in my face. I need some anti-ugly cream. You, you know, it's like, it's like we lay out all of these issues and all these concerns and all these worries. And, and then what if we went out, we paid at the counter, and, and we never bothered to listen to what the doctor had to say? Sometimes we pray like that. We rattle off our, our request to God, and we don't hang around for God's answers. What happens when you hang around for God's answers? That's when you find out that there really is a voice on the other side. That's when you find out there really is a person who cares about you. And that's when you and I begin to get guidance. I've had people, so many people say to me, you know, when I finally stopped talking so much in my prayers, when I just started to listen, 
I began to have a sense down in here that God wanted me to do something. And I realized that God wanted me to pick up the phone and wanted me to call that friend who was going through a hard time. Never would have thought about that except getting quiet and listening. I've had those times where I was praying and reading a passage of Scripture together, and it's just like all of a sudden a word from that Bible jumped off the page, and it was God's word to me. Go do this. Go do that. It's, it's when you and I experience prayer as listening, I'm telling you, that's when we begin to be empowered to live in different ways because we're following God's path, not our own path, but God's path for our lives. So prayer brings, brings power. There's another thing in this passage that, that um, how we can begin to live into that bigger purpose, and it's when the, we let the Holy Spirit make a tangible difference in our lives. Do you notice it says the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him, listen to this, in bodily form like a dove. Luke is the only one of the gospel writers that adds that phrase in bodily form. What is he talking about? I think what he's saying is that when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, it made a tangible or a practical difference in the way he lived so that everybody could see it. And we do know that that's how Jesus lived. When Jesus preached, when he taught his people were amazed at his words. They said, how does this carpenter's kid know all this stuff? When, when he healed there were other people who healed in this day. But when Jesus healed, people were amazed. Why were they amazed? They were amazed because not only did Jesus heal people physically, he healed people spiritually. He made them get up and walk, but he also said, your sins are forgiven. And people knew that they were set free. He loved all people. Pharisees, he loved them. They were the church people today. You know, that's he loved. He spent even more time with all those folks that the church folks the Pharisees wouldn't have had anything to do with. The lepers, the prostitutes, the tax collectors. Remember Zacchaeus. We, 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 we talk about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was up in the tree, right? Zacchaeus was a tax collector, which means he worked for the Roman government. He worked for the enemy. And then he was squeezing taxes out of his own people. And folks hated him. They hated him. And yet Jesus treated him in a totally different way. He looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, I am coming to your house. I'm going to eat with you today. And people notice. People notice the practical difference. John the Baptist says that when Jesus comes, he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. The word baptize means that we're literally immersed. It means that every single part of our life is going to be touched by the power of God. And so what does that mean for us? That means there's an invitation that we not hold back any part of our lives from God. That we say, okay, God, I'm going to give you my time at church, but listen, God, I'm also going to let you help me know how to make decisions about my time the rest of the week. I'm going to give my offering and my tithe, God, at church. But I'm going to also let you into my decisions about money everywhere else in my life. God, I, I, I'm going to learn 
about loving other people when I go to church, but God, then I'm going to try to practice so that I actually love somebody who has a different color of their skin. I'm going to love somebody and care for somebody who has a different accent. I'm going to love that person who's having a different lifestyle. I'm going to love that person who is a different political persuasion. And when people see that you and I have the power of God in every aspect of our lives, not just at church, that's when, that's when there's power for you and me. That's when we begin to live into a bigger purpose. But that's not all. There's one other thing. And I think in some ways for me, this is the most powerful thing of, of all. And that is we can live into God's greater purpose for our life when we listen to the voice of God's love and let it impact us inside. There was a voice that came from heaven and it said, you are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. We've all known forever. Since we were kids, right? That God loves us. That's one of the first things we learned. God is love. Anybody learn that and memorize that as a kid? God is love. We know it. We've got it right up here. But I don't know how it is for you, but man, I can have those times where I can feel like the least lovable person anywhere around. I just have, I, I can lose touch of it. So I've got a silly story about that. There are these, this couple. They were older. And man, they were bickering and arguing and fighting in their relationship and in their marriage. And and a lot of it was that the woman was uh, in bad health and she was having a hard time and she would get depressed and then she would complain to her husband and her husband would start complaining back and before long they were going at it just like this. And finally the husband says, look honey, we need to go get some help on this. We, we need to see a counselor. So they go see a, a psychiatrist. And they're sitting there and they sit down in the chair no sooner have they sat down than they start going at it just like this. And, and, and so the psychiatrist sits there. He listens to them very carefully. He listens for a really long time. And finally, he says, you all, please hush up. Be, just be quiet. Be quiet. And this is what's, what's silly. He actually goes over to this older lady. He grabs her in his arms. And he kisses her with the most passionate kiss you can ever imagine. Right on the lips. And he turns to the husband and he says, now that's what this woman needs at least three times every week. And the husband says, okay, doc, if that's what you say, but I don't know how we're going to get her to your office three times a week. <laughs> well, you know, she was starved for love. In fact, she was starved for love. And sometimes we are like that, starved for love. I, I want to suggest to you when we have those times where we're feeling unloved and we stop a minute and remember what God has told us in Scripture, you remember how, how Jesus voluntarily gave his life for you and me? How he, how he voluntarily gave up his life for you and me? Billy Graham used to talk about how Jesus stretched out his arms to embrace the whole world when he was on the cross. And then he said, and I'll never forget this, he said, but if you were the only person in the whole world, Jesus would still have stretched out his arms for you. 
and for me. That's how much we're loved. So sometimes what I will do is, is I will take this very verse of Scripture where God speaks to Jesus and says, You are my son, my love, with you I'm well pleased. And I will put my own name in it. And I will imagine that God's speaking this to me. I will say, Tom, you are my child, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I'll hear that as God's voice to me. Tom, you are my child whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And you know, as, as mixed up as I get and as lost as I get sometimes, somehow just to be renewed in that love, I mean, that, that gives me the strength, that gives me the power, that gives me the courage to want to be that better person, to want to live into that bigger life to be the follower of Jesus that God made me to be. So, I actually don't know whether I'm going to make any New Year's resolutions this year or not. I haven't fully decided. I am going to make one resolution, though. I am not going to put butter on my glazed donuts. <laughs> not going to do that. But you know, I want to live into the purpose God has for me, don't you? Wouldn't it be great if our church could live into that purpose God has for us? Well, we can. We can as we open ourselves to prayer, as we let the Holy Spirit take over every part of our lives and don't hold anything back. And as we just sink into the love of God, just the, the grace and the love of God. So I pray that you and I are going to live into that bigger purpose that God has for us this year, 2022. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to...